Well, Harry, we're back, in, back in Adelaide. We are. We've been back for a while, but this episode will drop way, way back since we've been back. But yeah. Melbourne series was pretty cool. Yeah, we've got to record so many. And uh, and I've kind of had a little bit of time off the recordings themselves um, since we got back. But it's good to get back into the swing yeah. of things, back at uh, old Richmond Road, home yeah, territory. Finally got someone in we've been chasing for a while and something we're vo- both very keen about. Someone that we've both said probably speaks a lot better on the microphone than we do. But welcome, Jared. Jared Walsh, how are you? Harry, Trav, thanks for joining me. And thank you for letting me join you. It's very weird because I'm normally on like the, the other the side other of the microphone yeah. where I'm like introducing people and all this other stuff. And I'll be honest, when I, when I drove to Richmond Road and I parked outside in the car park, I thought I was going to get murdered. Um, yeah. Because there's like a warehouse and I'm like, this is a stitch yeah. up. And I <laughs> yeah. called my wife and said goodbye and yeah. my kids. And um, so thanks for not killing me yet. No, nah, all good. Not so yet. listen to that already. He's obviously been on a mic a few times. <laughs> exactly. Holy Booming. Shit. I've got a booming voice. I know how to speak nah. into a microphone. It's well, all right. I'm getting a little bit thirsty. I know it's yeah, early. Yeah, let's start it early. I'm let's thirsty. start it early. Trav, what are we day. drinking today? Massive shout out to local beverages. Again, if you've listened to our episodes in the past, Some of it's our earlier ones, yeah. supported us, but I've got the lemon. What have you got, Has? I've got the peach. And Jared? I've got passion fruit iced tea. Beautiful. Awesome. Let's crack them into them. Crack them open. Wait, we didn't cheers. You got to cheers first. Far out. I'm I mean, gonna be what sort of host are you? I don't think we have cheers in any episode. Yeah. <laughs> you cheers and then you have a drink. This is great. Mm. So my experience with with seltzers yeah. is minimal because I yeah. think seltzers are only starting to really break through. Oh, now, yeah. You guys are young, so you would be having these all the time. But Trap, so you know, I'm like back in my day, and I even sound old saying it. It was you go out. And it's just vodka, lime, and soda everywhere. Yep. Then you move into now a lot of people are having gin, which yep. is great. And now seltzers are everywhere. And I love them. They're dangerous, though, because oh. they're so easy to drink and they're enjoyable. 100%. This is nice. And it's fruity. And um, even though it's not summer anymore, it's it's tasty. So thank you. First time right. I've tried this one, too. Beautiful. Yeah. I do More think this follow uh, the good trend, which we've started to see with some seltzers lately, that they're not too... Watery, as I yeah. say it, and I think yeah. they've got actually got some flavour. They still really have a good punchy flavour, flavour which almost make them taste sugary. But yeah, because sometimes the sometimes the seltzer can be too watery, and you're like, well, I've just I've just spent money on buying glorified soda cheap. water. No, exactly. So you're right. This is good, and I also like the 99 calories on the can because oh, um, I'm old and. Um, I need to watch what I eat yeah. and drink, so thank you. Bakes down at Peak wouldn't be too happy if you're putting the calories on, would Especially he? when he's floating around with his shirt off, which yeah, exactly. uh, he's just he's a sculpted human being, so I've got to try and look my best at all times. Well, let's get into it. This booming voice here on the mic today, where did it come from? How did it all begin? Uh, speaking into a microphone started when I was at... When I was a kid, my dad worked in in media. I grew up in Tasmania. I was born in Ballarat then, um, grew up in Tasmania. And um, so I've always been around microphones, but I never really, I never wanted to be on the radio or speaking to a microphone professionally because I wanted to do something myself. Like, um, I don't know, like if you think in a sporting term, sometimes um, people grow up who say, whose father played football and you're like cool I don't want to do that because I don't want to be known as this person's son I want to make my own career you you see how challenging it is for father son it's full on right you look at like 
Do you guys follow a lot of like local football here? You yeah. see um, Connor McLeod, who's Andrew yeah. McLeod's son. He's now moved clubs and gone to play at Glenelg from Woodville, West Torrens. But people go, you're Andrew McLeod's kid. You should be good. Yeah, well, it's like, um, oh, who was it? Um, Jackson. Oh, he's playing for, was playing for Westies. He's, was it Glenelg? Was on Jackson the pro- Edwards. Jackson, Jackson Edwards, Edwards. exactly. Yeah. So he's now moved up to, um, to Queensland. He's yeah. playing for Southport where he, as a 17-year-old kid, goes to, to Adelaide. And then he gets delisted at the end of that year. And they're like, well, wait, think about that pressure. He's starting to speak openly about it now and what that's done. I know you guys talk a lot about mental health, which is great that you're doing it. But um, So I started um, doing my own thing. And then I moved over to South Australia in 1999, went to St. Michael's College just up the road from here. And um, I went to uni and studied media. And then I don't know why. I just thought, oh, I'll just do it, see what happens. Um, and then I was doing um, like, statistics for the AFL for the ABC because my old man was a commentator for the ABC and then a guy in the box next door said hey we're about to start this radio station in Adelaide called Nova um do you want to come and be part of the the launch said yep so I was the first street team member hired by Nova in Adelaide in 2004 so when were you guys born what year 2003 I was 02 all right so think about that like so when I was one and you were two Trav yeah exactly one and two, and that's when I started at Nova. So yeah. this is a big deal, like, whenever it was. So almost 20 years ago, the, the radio stations in Adelaide were Triple M, SAFM, and Triple J, like those yeah. three. So Nova was a, uh, a different station to what you might hear now. Nova was a station where um, the bosses said, what we want to do is pretty much have a combination of your SAFM and Triple J, alternative, edgy, but then you might he- hear some pop music at the same time. So being a street team member was really cool. We had these old school cars. We could do whatever we wanted. Um, and my job at this point was to drive around the cars at night time, go out, cross back to the station like you might do, and yeah. then um, give away some stuff. Yeah. Um, people love free stuff. People love free stuff, right? Nice. And at that point then, so Ryan Fitzgerald, Fitzy, he yep. was on launch on the station too. So everyone was like, where's Fitzy? Where's Fitzy? And I had this big station vehicle with a huge antenna on top of it. And all I remember from that night, uh, I was at the West Beach Surf Lifesaving Club. I was Good driving spot down out. there for a knockoff, actually. Great spot. Great spot. Well, what I did was um, forget to put the antenna down on the truck and I heard a big bang and I looked at the front and the antenna went over the front of the van <laughs> with the power lines it was connected to, literally. Yeah. So I almost died because there were live power lines on the ground. I got out of the car and that's when the when the fireys rocked up and the ambulance and the cops, they said, if that wire got near you, you would have died. Um, so I was more worried about losing my job than I was losing my life. It cost yeah. the company $150,000 to fix that car because I had to get parts from overseas. Jeez. And the boss the next day, instead of saying, you're fired, he said, um, do you want to have a go just talking on the radio instead? Because you can't drive the car, obviously, because yeah. look what happens, you shit. So uh, I said, yeah. And then literally from then, um, I got my opportunity to go on the air. And I think I liked that because I never wanted to be on the radio. So that mentality was like, it was really good because I never went near a microphone going, cool, I want to sound like this, I want to do this. I was just myself. And that kind of led into radio. So I was at Nova for, uh, for 16 years and I worked every show so i did 
mornings, afternoons. I went to Melbourne and did a, a national show. I did breakfast. Um, and I left Nova in 2020 and then more recently started at SEN here in, in Adelaide. And from that came opportunities within sport where I didn't want to work in sport. Yeah. And then it's just naturally evolved that way because I, I love sport and I, I host most sports in Adelaide and a few around the country. And I guess that's what you'd call, if you look back, your big break, I guess. And Literally, because the, the thing broke. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but how is that all like looking back at it? Are you like... I wouldn't change any of that for the world. Like, is that yeah, pretty so happy with how it all sort of developed to where you are now? Or is there things that you wish you'd go back and change minutely? Or uh, I look back at radio, for example. So at Nova, as I said, I was there for 16 years. And I was, I was one of many who got made redundant in 2020 through COVID. Um. That was at the time a really challenging time, but I look back on it now and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because now I spent two years away from radio. The greatest thing was I realized that radio didn't like define me as a person. It wasn't my identity. It was just something that I did, but I also cared too much because I worked my absolute ass off. I was a yes man. I did everything. I put, I sacrificed family, friends just to keep the, the people at, at Nova happy and I got made redundant anyway. So going into this new job now at SEN, my mentality has changed so much because I'm now looking at things of going, um, what really matters? Uh, is this important? Should I stress about this? So to answer your question, I look back and go, well, I wouldn't change anything because it's led yeah. me to here. One small little change could probably impact lots of other things. If you hadn't broke the antenna. Yeah, definitely. If I didn't break the antenna, I wouldn't have been on the radio speaking. So you just you, you kind of look back and you go, what have I learned? How do I evolve? Um, and it's led me to this point. So I feel like um, through my learnings and my challenges, I've got a, a, a business that I have called Speak Good where I, I help people learn how to communicate more effectively. And it's through my challenges that I help uh, inspire others to go, hey, I went through some shit. Yeah. Everyone goes through shit. This is what I learned. Hopefully it helps you. And do you think way back you said you really never pictured yourself like speaking on the radio? Did that almost like kind of take the nerves out of the equation? You just went on, uh, like just went on for your first time. Just definitely. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, and I think I've never ever seen myself. And the beauty of Nova back in two thousand and four when we started was that I was never a radio presenter in my in my mind. I was someone that just spoke on the radio. So I was the same person before we pressed go, before we pressed record. And I was the same person when we were recording and when we were going. So it was um, just like having a conversation with people because people forget, like people who call up radio stations or go and see you like on the, the street team, that could be the only conversation they've had all day. So mm. you could give them the best experience or the worst experience they've had all day. That's up to us what we do. So um, the, the nerves and things like that, it's always nervous when you're about to give away $20,000 because you want to do it right or if you're about to have a, t a challenging conversation, but um, I've always maintained that I've been myself throughout the whole time, which makes it a lot easier. And tell us some more details about like in the studio, like when you're recording, how much of that is live? How much of the like producing side of things are you doing or is like a probably a producer as well kind of doing for you? What's changed now, it's radio is so different now, especially um, commercial capital city radio. It used to be everything was local from midnight to midnight. So everything came out of a studio in Adelaide. Now, if you think about um, radio in Adelaide, so we can use, we use Nova as an example. Yeah. Nova in Adelaide 
the only time that the radio studio and station is local and has people in it is 7 a.m. till 9 a.m. Two Just hours. Just breakfast show. Yep. Two out of 24 hours comes out of Adelaide. Yeah. The rest, so your 9 a.m. shift until 2 p.m., you have someone in Brisbane or Sydney pretending they're in Adelaide. Yeah. They are literally saying they'll be on their computer looking at the weather going, how good's this beautiful 24-degree day today? You know, you might be down at Glenelg Beach yeah. or you might be at Glenelg Never Beach. Never been, ever. Yeah. They're literally doing it. I once had to do a shift where I was on the air in three different cities at one time. I was doing Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney. I had three different weathers up, three different... Um, Pre-recorded or...? The all pre-recorded, but only a little bit before. Yeah. So like, yeah. so I'd go in and so a Saturday. one went to a break. You do the next. Absolutely. One. So you're going like, and it's the same log. So I have to go. So say for example, it's an Ed Sheeran song, and Ed yeah. Sheeran's in Melbourne, and I'd be going, "All right, Ed Sheeran, Melbourne. He's here playing at the MCG this weekend. Great, done." Then I'll go for the Adelaide show. Yeah. Oh, Ed Sheeran. Yeah, I think he's in Melbourne this weekend. He's coming to Adelaide soon. We can't wait for that. Done. Yeah. Sydney. Ed Sheeran's just left Sydney. Now he's in Melbourne. Like it's just. It's all the same stuff, and yeah. there's a bit of um, there's a bit of cost cutting involved in that. But there's also people now, I think, crave to be connected to the person that they're listening to. You guys, like, if you think, how do you consume audio now? It'd be great to get your understanding. What do you, when you get into the car? Technology's changed. Are you listening to radio, Spotify, podcasts? Like, what are you listening to? Straight onto Spotify now. Yeah, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Or yeah. yeah. Okay, so in, then in, the, in the work van a bit. If my phone's not connecting on Bluetooth, then they'll hop yeah. on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. So your now radio isn't your first option for you in cars. It used to be everybody's first and only option, but now, and this is the challenge that I always say to people in radio: you have to compete for an audience because if I want to hear my favorite song, it's on my phone. I don't need to hope that it's on the radio exactly. in an hour or. I wonder if I've missed it. Then if I want to listen to content, so I listen to a lot of radio shows out of Melbourne. I listen to the podcast every day because if the show finishes at 10 in the morning, the podcast is up at 12. Exactly. Every day I listen to well, it. It's like dad listens to SEN in Melbourne uh-huh. at drive time instead of listening to an Adelaide show. Exactly. So we've got more choice. This is the same as reading, as movies, as TV shows. So the challenge for all radio stations and radio announcers is – how do we connect? Now, I use COVID as an example. That was the best time for radio in 2020 because we were listening to see what the numbers were every day. Mm. Every day we switched on to see what the numbers were or we looked on social media and stuff like that. So um, it does evolve. So in the studio when I was uh, on the air, it was have a look at your music log, see what songs you're playing, see what competitions you're doing. I tried to do everything live. I hate pre-records because I ha- like I love stuffing up because it makes you sound like a human. Yeah. But now everything is pre-recorded. And whether that's five minutes before, 15 minutes before, but it's recorded like to a T because ev- it's perfection. And you have a full log, don't you? I'm yeah. trying to remember back when I did my work experience at Nova. Yeah. Um, and when I probably first time, other than at 36, as I originally saw you, um, but you, it's all there. It's, it's all, all there. Telling you what's up next, isn't it? Yeah. So you can look at your log, and you might have. So Nova, when I was there, they might have ten songs, then an ad break, then four songs, then an ad break, and that's that's your hour. So you've got fourteen songs where you look. Okay, what are the big songs that I'm looking forward to? But then you only talk three times in that hour. So you go, okay. So what are the three songs that I'm pushing towards? And I always ask that question, why should people keep on listening? Because you've got options now. If people don't like a song, they're turning you off. 
and they might not come back. So it's like, please stay with me because if you change over, you might not get the chance to win $50,000 or um, you might miss the Ed Sheeran song or things like that. So there's there's a challenge now that everything is literally in front of you. It's just about putting your voice in the middle. So it is it's probably less real and authentic now than it used to be. Talkback's different because it's still a, a real, real-time kind of thing. But if you listen to any of the stations, not just Nova, it's it's not as local as it could be. It's not as authentic as it could be. It's it's pretty much just cookie-cutter stuff. And then I guess going on to all that sort of giveaway stuff that you talk about, has there been any giveaways that have stuck out to you that have been like, shit, this really helped that person or this giveaway of giving away a car was amazing and like that sits really close with me. Yeah, so the the question I always ask myself is, like I'll ask you boys, what would yeah. you rather, right? Would you rather the chance to win $100,000 or would you rather me say, here's 1000 right now, cash? Chance to win. Thousands. Give it to me. Exactly. So you're both different, right? So you might have a one in 200,000 chance of winning $100,000. So there's a really small oh, window, yeah. right? And I'm just saying to you, there's a grant. You're walking away with that. Yeah. So that was the big challenge for us because I think um, stations always say, we've got a $50,000 competition you could win. It takes a lot of commitment. Some people's full-time jobs, they Guess sit the there sound and, and absolutely, like they sit there and they listen every day. Then they go to the next radio station, the next one, the next one. But then I think our biggest giveaway was always Royal Show tickets. Because if you think South Australian families, some of them don't go to the Royal Show every year. They go every second year. They live in the northern well, it's not suburbs. A cheap, it's not a cheap exercise. Absolutely not. So if you think, say, a Royal Show ticket, say 50 bucks, taking a family, a couple of hundred dollars, food, show, you, you might be spending $500, $500 minimum. I know how much I was used to spend on show bags alone. Exactly. So we're saying to families, hey, we'll give you that 500 bucks for the show experience. They're taking that as an instant win instead of committing to the radio forever. So that pure joy of people winning... Those prizes was really good. I like the idea and the, the celebration of someone winning $50,000. But here's the thing. If one person wins $50,000, we would have sometimes a, a winner that will say on the radio, Travis, you've just won $50,000 and we are waiting, right? We're yeah. waiting for them to go, yes, oh, you saved my life, or crying. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the response is, Oh, that's awesome. Thanks so much. And in our minds, we're going, that's a shit winner. Yeah. That sounds crap on the air. All the time we've invested and that's it. Yeah. So sometimes we'd have to go, hey, do you mind pretending you're excited again and we'll re-record that for the promo? And it's just so fake. So I like the instant win, concert tickets, yep. movie tickets, cash prizes, stuff that's achievable now that people don't have the money to get now. I enjoyed probably the most. And have you been able to talk to some like big names on the radio? Because you see how they get like artists and different people come on if you're promoting a song or yeah. a concert for, concert, for instance. Yeah, so when I was in Melbourne, it was a bit more frequent because what they normally do is they go to Sydney or Melbourne and talk down the line. So um, it's similar to like your, your Zoom or your, your Teams now. The face-to-face ones, I've been lucky enough to interview – um, all of my favourite bands, like I've, I love Mumford and Sons, so I've been able to do them face to face. But in 2008, when I was in Melbourne, like Lady Gaga came into the studio and I got to spend time with her and that was before she was like massively Lady Gaga. And then that was cool because she she's, was really lovely and stayed on brand. Um, like uh, the guy from Seinfeld, George Costanza, I went 10-pin bowling with him and like Seth Curry, one of the voices of Family Guy, like literally went 10-pin bowling. Um, and lots of bands. Was it filmed or was it? 
Yeah. Yeah, it's just like yeah, a yeah, segment out of it. Yep, John yeah. Cena came in. Like, <laughs> so all yeah, of these guys. Is. Harry's so. a massive WWE Love fan. Love the WWE. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got a photo of um, – I'll show you. I've got a photo of myself with John Cena, which is hilarious because I'm wearing <laughs> like this um, old school – I think it's a, an LA Galaxy um, David Beckham jersey and he's like – was this when he was over for like a movie shoot or something? Uh, I think he was over for the wrestling there. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's proper old school. Like, yeah, little necklace around it's you. It's proper, and- man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, I've, I've got the opportunity to. And it's funny because some of the bigger name people that I met and I spoke to are nicer than the, I guess, the, some of the Aussie mm. artists that just had a bit of entitlement well, about Celebrity. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Like, I love, like, and I, again, I feel old saying it. You probably haven't heard of the band, like, The Living End. I used to be, like, obsessed with them. Australian band. And um, they were awesome. But bands like Panic at the Disco, Fall Out Boy, like, I, I was a big alternative mm. guy back then. Katy Perry, like, interviewed Ed Sheeran, Rihanna, people like that. Um, it's very quick, though. You've got 10 yeah. minutes to, to ask them your questions. And you're going to make an impression as well, I guess. Absolutely, because they've been in... Like, if you think, they've been doing PR all day. So they've been doing interviews all day. So mentally, I'm going, what am I going to ask that someone hasn't asked that's today? That's what I was going to say. How much of that is you and how much of that is a producer? No, a lot of it was me. Yeah. And what I would do is I would look at previous interviews that they have done or listen to some of the interviews they were currently doing to go, great, they responded well to this. How's this going to be different? But also, how can I make it about Adelaide? So, like, Jason Derulo was here. I went to his hotel, oh, interviewed him. I saw him. him at Corners Club when he was leaving. Oh, yeah? I got, that is one of the funniest. I remember that picture. Yeah. Well, he, he came and I, I spoke to him and just said, okay, you're in Adelaide. What are you doing around Adelaide? And he's like, oh, can you find somewhere I can go play video games? I'm like, awesome. So, that connects straight away the audience to him being in Adelaide so we can talk about Marion Shopping Centre or whatever, as yeah. opposed to going, hey, tell us about your song. And it just gives you that more direct feel. Yeah. Like yeah. About. Oh, look at that. Far out. Is that you? That That's me. Classic. Yeah. Hope the boys are listening right now. Wow, yeah. you really have changed into a man. Fair bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss him. That, I remember that. He was the nicest person I, That's it, man. when I met him. Like his bounce was like, no, no, you can't come. And I'd already asked him. He's like, no, 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 let him through. That's and the I thing, was like, mate. Oh. It's, it's usually the security and the, the people yeah. around him, the dicks, but it's the, the artist that like... Like no offense, like he'd have millions of people going up to yeah. him all the time, but the fact he's still going, yes, because that could have exactly. been. You could be yeah. sitting here showing me that photo, saying he was the biggest dick I've ever exactly. met, and I'm never listening to his music again. Yeah, now every time I see him, I'm like, shit, I know Jason Derulo. There you like, go. I don't actually know him, but yeah, he's your mate. And so I wanted to ask you. Obviously, have your radio commitments, but then we see you do all this other stuff. Uh, Adelaide 36s, Adelaide United. We'll get into the World Cup and stuff after. But like, how are you just able to time manage with all of these different things going on? Uh, I'm I'm fortunate that there's not many clashes. A, a schedule release in sport is the most anxious time every year for me, especially over summer. So over summer, I have commitments for uh, the 36s, Adelaide United, the Adelaide Strikers and Cricket Australia. So there's four different commitments at a minimum of what's potentially Is there happening. a hierarchy out of the four? Or is it just first and uh, best case? No, not really. And I try to make both work. But I also see it as I will get every team to send me a contract as soon as the fixture comes out and I sign that contract. Once I've signed that contract, that becomes a priority. Yeah. So that's then up to them. So to them it's first in best draft. Absolutely it is. Yep. So there have there have been times that I have missed games of, of basketball or soccer, but then I will have someone that I know and trust that I will say, here's someone I recommend to do the job. So it's yeah, it's a fairly 
strong balancing act, but um, when you when you run your own business and you work for yourself, it is making sure that you have everything kind of balanced up. Um, and I see someone once said this to me in radio, and I loved that the phrase is just literally everything is an opportunity, everything. So whether it's a, a random volunteer gig in the northern suburbs of South Australia, or down at Selix Beach, or working at the MCG in front of a hundred thousand people, you don't know who's going to be in the crowd. So it's still having the same mentality and making sure that almost say yes to everything because you don't know what it's going to lead to. And how's the enjoyment that you get with those? Well, firstly, in general, but secondly, like compared to radio, does it feel good in the sense you get a bit of a change and you're just able to do different stuff? Yeah, I love it because in, in radio, like when I was working at Nova, I was in a radio studio by myself for a lot of the time. At SEN, I've got another person in the studio, but at the MCG, I'm in front of 100,000 people. So I'm talking to people and it's like the buzz that when you, you say make some noise and people make noise and like, Farah, I did that. So it's, it's a, a real exciting energy. Um, it's different and it's also constantly challenging because you need to make sure people are happy and engaged, especially when the team that they're there to support isn't playing well. You still have to make sure they have a good time. So um, I love I love emceeing. Uh, it's a huge passion of mine and I feel like I'm enjoying it even more as I get older because I look at it this and go, like I get to walk onto Adelaide Oval as a job. There are people who have never been to Adelaide Oval, let alone get to walk on the surface. And there's profe- people that want to play professional sport that are yeah. trying so hard to do that and you're just like, oh, here's me, I'm out here. That's it. I go to Adelaide Oval when I'm working there, whether it's at the cricket or the footy, um, a couple of hours before the gates open and I walk into the middle of the ground and I close my eyes and just take it all in because I'm like, I get to do this. There's a, a bit of meditation. In the absolutely, of the man. Because yeah. it's Justin a, Langer, like it's full on. Like I try to do that in, at every every sport that I work at because there will be a time where I'm on the other side of the fence. So I need to just absorb it because you never know. And we saw through COVID, you never know when things are going to get taken away from you. So you got to appreciate it, like appreciate the moment while you're in the moment, as opposed to looking back and going, "That was cool." You can go, "Hey, this is cool." And you talked to us before this about you running a podcast like with Adelaide United, but in general, how's the relationships you get to build with not just the players, but, but kind of just being able to work with huge different groups of people? Yeah, the the organisations and the clubs that I work with is the most important thing. Like um, for me, that's almost more important than the sport in itself. So just to give you an example, like so Adelaide United um, are like family to me. Like my, my best mates are all former players of the club. We've got like a group of about seven of us that none of them play there anymore. They've all gone to different parts of the yeah. world and stuff, but we all keep in touch. Um, but it's the people that make up the club. Like Adelaide United treat me like family. The, the week after I lost my job, um, and it was quite like, it's quite a public kind of way that I As lost radio my job. radio is really Absolutely, public. man. Yeah, and... They one of the guys just rang and said, "Hey, let's go have a beer at um uh, a brewery, which I won't mention because we're talking about um your sponsor, so I won't mention the other <laughs> brewery." So I thought about that. Um, so anyway, we go to this place, and uh, I thought one of them was going to be there. The whole club were there, like all the staff. Literally, the CEO of the club was there just to get around me and say, "Mate, we love you." And I'm like, I started crying, so I'm going far out. Like this is, it's so much more than. Football. I went to to Shanghai with Port Adelaide for two seasons. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah, it was unreal. But the the best part about that was getting to know the people that make up the club because it's always the players that get all the the spotlight and they're the ones that seem to be doing all the hard work. If it wasn't for the the backroom staff, the people that like the boot studders, the people that work in membership, in merchandise, in ticketing, 
they wouldn't have a team to play for these players. So it's showing them appreciation and um, being part of it. So at a Port Adelaide game, people know that I'm immersed in the club. They know that I can go and say hello to the guy that works in membership because I'm, I'm part of it. So I'm not just... Um, I'm not just an MC that will rock up, see a script and talk into the microphone. I'm just one of them. Has it made you fall in love with South Australian sport? Because yeah, obviously absolutely. you're not originally South Australian, yeah. but you seem to be backing all these South Australian clubs and whether that's work or not, different topic. But has it made you fall in love with the way SA do their sport? Definitely. I feel like I've got a love-hate relationship with South Australian sport because I love all of our teams. Um I, a lot of my good mates play for the Crows and I'm, I'm an ambassador for Port Adelaide. So I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to dislike the Crows, but I don't because I want my friends to do well. Um, I like the rivalry, but I also feel that we as South Australian sporting fans have a massive chip on our shoulder where we think Victoria's out to get us. Oh, get stuff, yeah. Sydney. And it's like, we can just do what we do really well. And I think we've got a really good, um, knowledgeable sporting community here in Adelaide. Adelaide United's fans in 22, 23 have, have kept the A-League afloat, basically. It's been brilliant. Port well, they're not always, throwing bins at anyone. So. No, they're not. They're not. Port fans <laughs> always get people to the footy. You know, the, the Crows are going to do that too continually as they um, evolve. The Thunderbirds are always selling out. The 36ers are selling out. So we've got a really good patriotic state of sports fans. And I do love it. I love being passionate about all of our sport and seeing like our athletes do really well, but most importantly, the people that make up the athlete. And I've got a bit more of like a personal question from like from just something I want to know. But of course, you've been with the 36ers for a while and I grew up being a member and have pretty much followed them as long as I can remember. How, how, did you do them at the previous arena, which I forgot was Yeah, called. I did, yep. How was the move to the entertainment centre and just the whole... Thing. Yeah, um, so it was it was interesting because they did a, a big refurb of um, it was Titanium Security Arena, then yeah. it turned into yeah. Adelaide yeah. Arena. We had that formal AP there. We Remember did that? actually. Yeah, we had an after party there. Oh, did <laughs> you? Yeah, story. from the yeah. formal <laughs> in like year eleven in yeah, the um, right. the function room, which is like okay, yeah, 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 at the end. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. where that is. Um, so yeah, they they revamped, they put a new screen in there, they fixed all the lighting, and then mm. they ended up moving to the entertainment center. The the entertainment center is great. First of all, it's air-conditioned, which yeah. is the biggest thing because in summer, you're at the old venue, you're sweating out of every hole that you have in your body, right? Yeah. Then you go to the new venue at the Entertainment Centre. It's awesome for that. The sound system, of course, is brilliant. Sometimes it lacks a bit of soul because it's an entertainment centre. It's not a basketball venue. Yeah. So at the old arena... holding hosting like the Kid Leroy and stuff yeah, like that's that. That's it, yeah. yeah. So you're... You're not sitting on top of the game like you were at the old arena and the acoustics are a little bit different. You could have 2,000 people at the old arena and it would sound like 10,000. Um, at the entertainment centre, you have 9,000 and it sounds like 10,000. So there's there's that challenge. People still want to go back there to the old arena and some people have probably um, not returned to the basketball. But once you go to the entertainment centre for the experience, you realise it's the best. And Basketball now is more about the entertainment than it is the actual sport. Like you want music, you want videos, you want fun. It's it doesn't matter if the team wins or loses as long as you have fun. Yeah, and it's pretty crazy how they turn that arena around. Like yeah. I see it for instance when I'm dropping off equipment and stuff, I'll just like go through the back, like roll it all like one day. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. completely empty, like seats are up, everything. Go there the next day, full basketball course down. I'm just like there's no one there. It's like almost like in the dark. <laughs> just like walking. If you the think that's course. impressive, you know, at Madison Square Garden in the in mm. New York, they've 
they've got ice hockey and basketball at the same, same at, venue. Same at Staples Centre. That's it. So when they've I'm got the ice underneath the, the court where they have to put the floorboards on it. The ice is still underneath it, yes. and it's just the, the pack down. Even with Staples Centre when both the Clippers and the Lakers yeah. played there, they'd have they to quickly the flip floor. the court. They had to, As yeah. this, when I was younger, I went and we saw the LA Kings, so ice hockey play on the Friday yeah. night. Saw the Clippers play Saturday Arvo, and then saw the Lakers Saturday night. Exactly. How's the turnaround on that? Yeah, it's nuts. Um, Back to the 36ers, how much Hungry Jacks have you had? How many missed three throws? Free throws. That gets the biggest cheer out of oh, anything. Still People does. go Even crazy, hey. And yeah. if you think for marketing, that's oh, such a brilliant idea. Like, they they work well with that. If I'm yet AFL to go and get smart, my... If the AFL was smart, they'd do that on missed set shots. Well, yeah. So, the Crows have incorporated Hungry Jacks into if one of their players, I think, scores a goal from outside 50, they yeah. all get whoppers. I'm yet to make the most. I've, I'm, not, I'm yet to get a free one. Like, I never yeah. drive home and do it. Um because how busy they are. Yeah, I think it would be um, pretty special, though, because you, like, you get free food. Hungry Jacks on the corner of Henley Beach Road and Tapley's Hill Road. Yes. Gets an, oh, this was back, actually, at Titanium Security Arena, I reckon. But it got an absolute going. I'm not sure, if actually, if the Hungry Jacks thing was around then. I think They brought that in uh, a couple of years ago, yeah. But it's it's yeah. brilliant marketing. And even now, if you go watch, like, school basketball, the kids are still chanting it. Yeah. Like, the kids are doing it at local basketball because it's fun doing it. So, yeah. Um, and you've obviously worked at some amazing events like mm. Cricket World Cups, Soccer World Cup, the Ashes, footy finals and that. Is there any of them that stand out as, like, peak night? Uh, yeah, there's a couple. Travis Head make his 100 at New Year's Eve. Yeah, that was that was really special. There's lots of there's lots of really special moments. Like uh, I've been lucky to do a, an Adelaide United Grand Final, which was which was unreal. Um, they played that at Adelaide Oval. Yeah, they, they did. Yeah. So fifty thousand people there. But the again because of my connection with the club, they said come into the change rooms, and I'm like nah, because I've got a rule for me, right? Yeah. I don't go near the change rooms. Like I don't want to. Um, that's not my place. Um, that's for the players to go. But they drag me in there and I'm literally watching them pouring champagne over them, having beers with them. And I'm like, this is pretty... I felt part of that championship. Yeah. Well, especially after... I don't know if this was before or after, but they picked you up after you were so low. Yeah, and yeah. That, so like, that, that was the... The grand final was before, but it yeah. still showcased like the connection that I have with them. Um, the strikers winning the final in 2017 was amazing. Um, and on the strikers, just really quickly, the moment this year when they had that huge, the biggest ever comeback. Yeah, yeah. And Matt, yeah. Matt Short made a hundred. It was, um, yeah, it was that was unreal. And again, these these guys like he's such a good guy, Matt Short, and he's he's making runs like the for past fun. couple of months just I'm for surprised fun. He didn't get on the plane to India, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Um, of the other ones for me, um, and we can we can talk about the football World Cup, but also um, I love the NBA. Like that's my that's my love, and I got to do um, the Boomers versus Team USA in Melbourne in 2019, which I was, remember that big one. Yeah, wow. and it was it was amazing. So there were 50,000 at Marvel Stadium, and then in over two games, and then at Kudos in Sydney, there was another 20,000. That was sick, and I got to meet some of the players as well, and that's like. There, then I was fanboying. I was yeah. so professional for the whole weekend. It was, it was the Celtics team USA, I remember that. It was, man. Yeah. And if you like the biggest, like the biggest issue for the fans where they had problems on the posters, it had James Harden, Kevin Durant, LeBron James. They were never going to come to Australia. So these are the problems. But now, if you look at it, like 
one of you are only into American sports, right? You're into American. Yeah. Yeah. So if you think like the, some of the guys, as you said, Boston, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, and Jalen Brown. These they had Kemba as well at the yeah, time. They're yeah. big dogs now in the NBA. So these are the guys that are playing in All-Star Weekend and stuff. Back then, they were young players. In hindsight, like we had some of the best young players in world basketball in Australia. And um, at the end, yeah, I got to meet a couple of them and it was – it was unreal. Like I've met LeBron James before and that was like sick, but this was like me just going, Oh my God, I'm meeting all these players. I would rather meet a, like I get excited meeting the worst NBA player in the world. I would still froth over it compared to if I met Messi, I would froth more over the NBA player. Yeah. I always remember that game. Um, Just the way they did the whole presentation and production of that from memory I don't remember it fully, but it was like, there was almost just like, it just showed the court and everything was like almost blacked yeah. out beside it. The issue was as well, people. heaps of people complained. So Russell Crowe was there and he complained because people were standing in front of him. I was one of those people. So he put a tweet up on social media. The next day it was on every news service and all you can see is my back. <laughs> um, but also with FIBA, which is the governing body, yeah. um, when you have a FIBA basketball game, you're not allowed to play music throughout the game. At all. So if you go to the NBL and watch the 36s... See, I still think that is the right way. It is, but not when you have 50,000 people at Marvel. Yeah. Because everybody's expecting to and hear Marvel's music. Marvel's a massive venue. Yeah, it is. It's not a, good ve- not a good venue to watch basketball at all. But there's no one saying, defense, nothing. It's silent. Yeah. So everyone expecting to go see like a, a cool NBA experience. They didn't get it. They just got to watch the players from afar. Or it's like... You know, you go to a concert, you're watching most of it on the big screen, even though someone's down in the middle well, of Adelaide Oval. Even at the footy. Yeah, exactly. If you're, if you're so far away. Yeah, you're right. So um, the the experience was unreal. Um, and that's, yeah, like for me, because it's my like my real sport, I'm, a, I'm obsessed with the NBA. So that's, yeah, that was really cool. Who do you follow? Just out of interest. I follow no one, which I love. So I'm a LeBron guy. So I've got I went I've just moved house and I've gone through all my jerseys. I counted thirty one LeBron jerseys. Um, How many of them were you, did you not buy? <laughs> no, I bought them all. Oh really? Yeah, I bought them all. Um, and I have a framed one, um, which I love. And sports jerseys is my thing. I was I was speaking on the phone to someone on the way here. I've got every sports top like from every club that I've worked for over the past fifteen years. It's about ten boxes of stuff. Oh. So imagine. it's full on, right? And I just can't part ways with it. So I love, um, yeah, I just love all the players in the NBA. So I feel like the, the NBA is so transient. Like you get attached, for example, like I got a, a Kevin Durant Brooklyn Nets jersey. Awesome. You spend a hundred bucks on that Didn't in a t-shirt. <laughs> he leaves six, 12 months later. I'm like, yeah. and I'm, I'm OCD. So I can't wear that. I can't wear a sports top if for players left. that aren't at that team anymore. And if I Only see if they're some, retired, though. Exactly. Yeah. If have I you got a Suns one? Uh, I have a Suns one coming this week. <laughs> and I will look at people and judge them if they are wearing a top of a player who's no longer at that team. I'm like, you need to get better. So I get full judgy. So, yeah, I just I follow, I follow all the players and I like, um, I like being a bit impartial because it means I can sit down and just watch a neutral game and enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Nah, and it's good. There's a lot you can appreciate. I mean, with any sport. Um, if you kind of take the emotion out of it and just kind of watch it. Yeah, like, yeah. Are you a big uh, NFL guy and watch the Super Bowl? I did watch the Super Bowl, but I don't understand NFL enough to love it. And I've been told that once you understand NFL, you really fall in love with it. So I um, I, I like it. I don't love it, but I only don't love it because I don't understand it. And tell us about the FIFA World Cup, which 
really wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it's it was pretty surreal. So I do the the match day for the Socceroos, and I got a call um, from Nicole, who works for Football Australia, and said, "Hey, um, did you want to come to the World Cup?" I'm like, "What?" I said, "Well, we'd we'd like you like to do it, and we'd like to put your name forward." I said, well, "What do you mean?" So what happened was FIFA wanted the World Cup experience um, to be fair for everyone because it was in Qatar and I don't know anything about Qatar. They said they want to have an MC from every country that's competing. I remember when I told dad, I was like, oh, like we've got Jared Walsh coming on and he was the MC for the Socceroos. He goes, what, they didn't just get local people? That's exactly right. So we had um, one MC, an Arabic translator, someone that was in the crowd and then um, like, for example, Australia played France. We had me and a French MC. So then when we played against um, Tunisia, we had a Tunisian MC, Argentinian MC. So they said, what we'll do, we'll fly over, you'll stay in an apartment with all the other MCs, and then you will basically go and do the Socceroos matches. So I was the Australian fan. And they then sent through an email saying, you've got the gig. I didn't find out until two weeks before I was on the plane. Like it was so poorly communicated. And I'm like trying to tell the 36ers, didn't matter about Adelaide United because there was a World Cup window, so yeah. all the A-League was shut down. Um, telling the Adelaide Strikers, I might not be back to do our first game. The Adelaide Test was on. And they, all they said two weeks before was, you're coming over, here's where you're staying. And I made the mistake of Googling where I was staying because there was a lot of talk leading into the World Cup. The accommodation was really poor. Like people were staying in makeshift tents and all this stuff. I accidentally typed in my apartment, but for the one that was in Egypt... And literally it came up with this old Egyptian room with a family sitting there. And I've said to my wife, I can't go because I'm just staying with a family. And yeah. I can't do that for three weeks. <laughs> Turned out I wasn't. So um, I got on the plane and flew over there. Literally went to my apartment, which the apartment was like the walking dead. They, like, didn't, they didn't put you on a cruise ship? Absolutely. I know, thank good. I saw those cruise ships yeah, though. You know Cam Hildebrand Brooks? Yeah. Yeah, he probably isn't listening. But I remember talking to him. He just got back. Him and his dad stayed on a cruise ship for like a week and a half. I saw him. I saw those cruise ships. And that was that was the only accommodation for some people. And I landed at about one in the morning, went to the apartment. There was a guy in my room who was the MC from Mexico. And he was asleep, smoking cigarettes in the room. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is happening. Um, and then because everything was dark, I didn't know what the place looked like. So then next morning woke up and then I'm like, oh, wow, this is like full on Doha, Qatar, just buildings everywhere, dust, you're in the middle of the desert. Mm. Um, eventually got some information and they said, so what happens is you're going to go to the games, you're going to do the Australian matches and the moment Australia are eliminated, you will go home. And I thought, I was joking around saying, yeah, cool, so we'll be out like first round. Like we yeah. won't make it through the group stage. No one gave us a chance. And me mentally, I'm like, we're not going to beat France we probably won't beat Denmark and we might get a point against Tunisia. And it just happened. Like it just, it just all happened. It's pretty surreal. It was so surreal. And um, watching it, there was that, you know, I said, enjoy the moment while you're in it. I went to use the bathroom at the France game and I stood and I looked over at the crowd and I'm like, holy shit. Like I'm in Qatar on the microphone working for the Socceroos at a World Cup. And it was crazy. So leading up to it, then they said, hey, can you tell us some Australian songs so when Australia scores, we'll play them? And I'm thinking, Australia's not going to score. So then what happens? <laughs> Craig Goodwin scores. Now, Craig Goodwin Adelaide is a, like, absolutely, he's a good mate of mine. Like, 
and I'm in tears because I'm like, this is unbelievable. Craig wasn't even going to go to the World Cup because he had an injury cloud over him. His wife's there. And special moment for me. I see like a Wehmer Bill who used to play for Adelaide United who went to Spain and he's, he's bouncing around clubs now and I'm like far out. Like I saw this kid when he was 15 in Adelaide and now I'm giving him a hug after the Socceroos have won a match at the World Cup. It was Again, it was more than football for me. It was seeing the stories of these kids. Riley McGree, he's from bloody the northern suburbs, mate. And yeah. he's, he's playing for the, the Socceroos. And you're going, I feel like a father figure to them because I'm heaps old. But I see these kids and I'm like, I just want what's best for you. So Australia managed to get through. I didn't think we would beat Denmark. So I had my bags packed at the apartment. We beat Denmark. And I'm like, I'm here for a couple more days. And then whatever happened against Argentina and then um, Argentina... You got to watch some of the world's best players at ground level. Bro, it was ridiculous. So if you think football bucket list, I watched Australia play France and Mbappe scores. I then get asked by Craig Goodwin's wife, hey, did you want to just come and watch Portugal and Uruguay? It's $100 Australian. Because we had to buy tickets to any other neutral game. I'm like, $100 Australian? I couldn't even get a game to the Canada match for less than 300 Australian. I'm like, yes, 10 p.m. kickoff. We're sitting front row, literally front row. Ronaldo scores at my end. It was given to um, Bruno Fernandes, but I still say Ronaldo scored it just so I can say it. <laughs> Portugal win. Then I go and watch Australia play Argentina where Messi scores at our end. That was hard because obviously it was against Australia. But if you think football-wise, I've ticked off all yeah, of those boxes. Seen all the top yeah. stuff. Seen them all, man. It's It was ridiculous. And then in a country that I would never go to just on a holiday to visit. Um, so it's surreal. Like, I still have to look back and go, wow, I, I did that. Like, it was, it was nuts. And so you said for every country they get their own MC. How mm. did that, because like, well, in Adelaide, you're only MCing kind of the whole game, supporting the home team as everyone else is. How did that work, kind of? Was there a bit of a clash almost? There was a lot of ego there. Like, there were a lot of people that complained that they weren't getting enough microphone time and saying, oh, I'm really big in my country. Oh, I want to be talking more. But I kind of felt like it's funny. When you go overseas where nobody knows you and you're the Australian guy, people see you as laid back no matter what. So I literally said to him after I was sitting with a guy from Canada, guy from Costa Rica, um, guy from Mexico, someone from Denmark who are all complaining. And I said, so wait, what you're telling me is that I get to go to the football, sit pitch side and talk three or four times into the microphone and that's it. They're like, and, yeah, is and that... And just watch. Yeah, is that okay with you? I'm like, yeah, that won't be a problem. So <laughs> I felt like I'd be the like the most low maintenance person there because this is what this guy that really annoyed me on the, the day before the Australia Argentina game um, guy from the Netherlands is like, are you getting paid well for this? And I said, what do you mean? He's like, well, I'd get so much money for doing this. And I said, bro, I would do this for free. They are flying me over to the other side of the world to go to a world cup. Like, come on. He's like, oh, okay, fair enough. So it just depends Those on... Those values, I guess. Absolutely, man. And it's like, just be grateful for the opportunity. Because I got, like, on this old, bald bloke from Adelaide, that they could have picked anyone in Australia to go and represent Australia at the World Cup on the microphone, and they chose me. So I won't, like, ever not be grateful for that. So it's, yeah. it's always making sure that you show appreciation because we were talking about this before. Like, there are lots of brilliant MCs in Australia. There are 
amazing, talented MCs. And I look at them and I go, you are awesome. I make sure I tell them because it's the media. Everyone's competitive, right? And there's so much bitterness and ego. What's important is not ex- like, especially what you do on the microphone. It's how you carry yourself off the microphone that separates you from everyone else. As long as you're authentic and you genuinely appreciate an opportunity, you will get asked back because again, they can choose anyone. If you're a dick, don't expect to get asked back. So just treat people well and show gratitude and actually show that there's so much value in everybody else in what they do. We as as MCs are the end product of all the hard work that goes into it. There's a camera operator, there's a producer, there's a floor manager, there's someone playing the music. Without them, I wouldn't be able to do my job. So what makes me more important? I'm not, I'm, I'm just a little bloody cog in the wheel that goes around. Yeah, you just talk into the microphone and That's they it. do everything else that makes it look so special. Someone's got to turn the volume of the microphone up. I'm not doing that. So what if they weren't there? I'd be stuffed. But at the same time, people don't see that. And so many people don't realise all the little things that go into, let's just say, events in yeah. this instance. Um, but you can almost be a voice for those people as well because you're the only person that people are kind of hearing and seeing and it's like you're communicating it all when you're doing it in a lively yeah. manner and you're kind of – it's up to you to really – to to kind of enforce what everyone else has done and bring it all together. Well, you said before, like when you bump into an event, you're there hours before, if not the day before. Oh, yeah. A lot of people rock up to an event and they're like, oh, it just happens, does it? An hour before tip-off at the basketball. No, 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 no. I'll get to the basketball two, three hours before tip-off. The people that are bumping in or doing the floor, doing the audio, couple, doing the couple PR, days before. That's it. So you're all doing the hard work, but you get zero like gratitude for it because that's just your job. I'm the person that people see on the screen, and that's fine. Like I, I understand my role, but also I also make sure I go and thank everybody for what they're doing because they're the ones who are working their asses off long hours, sacrificing heaps, and not getting any recognition because it's – one job to the next is what they do. And tell us about taking a little step back. You said you kind of went into doing media with kind of no thought about it and you just kind of did it. Do you think it's, well, how was that to start with? But how, do you think it's kind of helped you and do you really see connections between what you learned then to where you become, <sighs> what you where you're at today? I went to, to uni in South Australia and the media course, that was the first time that they had introduced that and I, I feel like I didn't get a lot out of it because they were trying to figure out how to do the course as it went anyway. It's like uni, these so-called experts. Absolutely, if man. you're an expert, why aren't you doing it professionally? Yeah, you're right. And I think it's a it's a job in the media where um, it's not necessarily a, a who you know, but it, we are in a, a city where networking is really important. But also you learn a lot of skills on the job. I think now it's like if someone came to me and they said, hey, I want to come and work for you, Yeah, it's important to see what their job history is, but here's some of the other things I'd look at. Let me look at your social media and see what your social media presence is. If you're a dickhead on social media, I'm not hiring you. Um, Let me see how you go under pressure. Let me see what you're like as a team person. Let me see what your values are. If our values align, I would rather invest a little bit more extra time with someone that's inexperienced than work with someone who might be experienced but is a bad culture fit. I don't want to spend any time with them. So... um, I've got a piece of paper to say that I graduated at uni. I don't I don't know what I learned from it. It's also like when you go to school, you don't know what you're learning until you're out really, until you go, oh, how did I know that? I learned that at school. And even I'd say the stuff you learn at school, cool. But all the life lessons you learn at school Absolutely. and all the personal development and growth you go through is that's what you actually learn at school. And we're still learning. People expect now, 
like I'm, I'm a father of two kids. People expect us because we're parents that oh, we're supposed to have it all figured out. No one ever has anything figured out. We're all still learning. Like the I best was le- people were just bullshitters. Absolutely, man. If someone says to you they've got all the answers and they've figured everything out, they're lying. You're right because we need to constantly evolve. Things change around us. I'm worried for my kids with social media because of the impact that it has now. So we have to constantly evolve and understand that everyone has different needs. I mean, you guys talking about mental health, right? Which you openly talk about. That was unheard of 10, 15 years ago, especially from blokes. Mm. I don't talk, yeah. I'm, I'm open about mental health, but we're one of the rare groups of people that actually are courageous enough to do that because it, it, we see like my parents don't talk about it. Their parents, no, nah, mental health isn't a thing. Toughen up. Like we're in a really cool part of life where where people are courageous enough to speak about how they're going and we should like be more open about it. And do you have people working for you? You kind of brought it up slightly, but um, have you kind of helped other people maybe almost get similar roles that you've had, but not, yeah, as, not as high level to share? I'll, I'll help. I'll, with, with what I do with my Speak Good workshop, if people come in and they, they come to the workshop, I'll always open my network up to them, but I will then... Um, mentor people or if they go hey I want to do what you do one day I'll go great I will get you um, to either shadow me at a sporting event or I'll show you my preparation and then if say for example that if there's a an Adelaide United match coming up that I can't do I can then say to the club I've got someone who I trust they've developed under me I think this person would be great for you so I'll always be open that because I want someone's going to take my job one day. That's just that's just life. It's not so. something you want to do forever, forever, forever. You no, want exactly. To be able to sit back and enjoy time with your kids. Well, like. that's the thing. So people see me at sport in Adelaide and they think I'm having a great time and I'm loving it. But I also look on the other side of the fence and I see fathers with their kids and I'm like, I can't do that. I've been to Adelaide Oval working for over 200 games of different sport. I've been to Adelaide Oval as an observer four times. I've been to watch one concert. Uh, I've been to an NRL game and I've been to two Crows games. Apart from that, I've never been as a punter, ever. Yeah, so you, I guess I'm lucky to say I've sat out the back of the village green at the never done cricket. It. No, never done it, like ever. It's weird to think that something I take so much for granted and look at you and go, that'd be so cool. Uh-huh. You'd be looking at me stumbling around the members area going, kind of want to be there. I, I literally get home and my daughter's like, I saw you on the screen and I'd be, I'd much rather get on a train with her sometimes and say, Dad's going to take you to the footy and yeah, get you some hot chips. All that stuff, yeah. yeah. So that's uh, even New Year's at the strikers. Like I say to my family, you can come and watch the fireworks. I'd rather sit with them and watch the fireworks, but that's just part of the job. So I, I love what I do, but it's also challenging in that regard. And how are the hours? How are the late nights? Late nights are okay. I find it really hard to switch off. So I'll get home from, um, say, a strikers match at like 11 o'clock. I probably wouldn't get to sleep to around 2 or 3 because I'm, so, I'm buzzing. So you're so on as the players are. Yeah, you've got to be on, mate. Because, again, m- no matter what's going on in my life, once the microphone's on, I've got to make sure everybody else has a great time. So I in, last year, my, my two kids were at the women's and children's and I was over the other side of the road at Adelaide Oval hosting a Port GWS game. Because Who I need about GWS to start. Well, <laughs> exactly. But I need to make sure everybody else had a good time. So I'm mm. mentally exhausted because, you know, we all got to put masks on when we go to work. So I have to do that and go, no one gives a shit that my kids are unwell. I just need to make sure you have a great time and port win and how does a perfect pair go and you keep it all into yourself. So you get home and you just go, oh, 
Far out. And then I'll probably watch the replay on the TV because I'm so busy at the game. I, I don't have don't any time even, yeah. to watch it. Have you had games where you go, shit, who actually won or like who played well? The who played well, definitely. It's really hard, especially AFL. I find when you're watching AFL live, it's really hard to determine who's had the ball a lot. When you watch it on TV, the commentators are telling you, or you yeah, can you look at your phone and stuff. But um, I'll go back and watch it, or I'll watch like with streaming and stuff. You can watch those little mini matches just to see things yeah. that I miss. Yeah. How many? How much of the lines and stuff that you say through the microphone are you getting told to say versus? come to you generically no nothing I'm not told to say anything yeah. I'll get a script which is a guide of yeah. things to say but I'll give you some info on yeah something. a little bit yeah. but well, like I'll at this stage of the game we want to do the perfect pair right? yeah so they give me no information on the perfect pair intentionally because yeah. they say we trust you so and that's a that's the best thing that you can have if, is someone saying hey we trust you to do the best that you can make it awkward so with the, <laughs> the perfect pair, I'll have fun doing it. First of all, I make sure that the people are comfortable and I'll say before the mic goes on, are you comfortable with me having a laugh at your expense? Yes. If they say no, I don't. I always seek permission for that. Um, but then they go, yep, have some fun with it. Um, asking in, uh, questions at the end of a match with a player, nothing scripted. I'll just ask what I want to know. So I kind of have a method that I follow, which is, Ask about the game, ask about the team performance, individual performance, and then at the end, how good are the fans? Always make sure Always I ask about the fans. fans. You have to, man, because they're the ones that are paying so much money to come to the game. So, yeah. Directly, they're paying your wage. So. Definitely, yeah. So, it's important to, to kind of acknowledge that. Well, um, I was, yeah, you know, I, know, I was going to say, you, you spoke a lot about your speak good stuff. How did that all sort of come about? Uh, through losing my job. So, uh, I, I kind of did a, a bit of a skills audit and I had a look that. Um, I, I follow the same process in communicating, speaking to you two or speaking to a hundred thousand people. So I kind of needed to develop my own philosophy and kind of break it down. Um, and I just put out on my, my network and I said, would anybody be interested in me being able to help you know what I know, introduce you to my network? And it kind of blew up pretty quickly, which has been really good. So um, I've been doing Speak Good for two years now and I do private workshops. I do four a year, but then I'll go to sports clubs. So I've, I've worked with the Thunderbirds, with Port Adelaide, um, uh, the, the Strikers and the Redbacks, and I sit down with them and help them learn how to communicate. And it's not necessarily like how to speak into a microphone, but it's how to have tough conversations, how to actually get the best out of people. We talk about leadership because I've had really good leaders and really really shit leaders but they're both really important because it, it helps you makes you know the good from the bad definitely and what what motivates you uh, as a leader so um it's been amazing and it's honestly out of if you were saying to me what's the best thing i've done in my career it's that it's because i see the impact that it has on people and i if i can help people feel proud and confident and understand nerves and anxiety um and be like own their voice then my job's done so it's yeah it's amazing awesome absolutely love it trav your quick fire questions. Yep. Your favourite athlete to interview. That I have interviewed? Yeah, that you have yeah. interviewed. Oh. Or is there someone that you always get a good reaction out of on a regular basis? Or uh, I love interviewing the foreign players from Adelaide United, the Spanish boys, um, because... I'm pretty confident when I speak and their English is really bad, <laughs> but I make them feel comfortable. So, yeah. And they're such beautiful guys. Like at Adelaide United, we've had Javi Lopez and Juan Day and Isaias. They've been great international athletes. Um, sitting down with some of the cricketers has been 
really special. Like Rashid would be pretty good. Yeah, I'd so Ra- Rashid's in, an amazing guy. Like, and he's been Rashid Khan from when he first arrived as this unknown to now this world class superstar. Um, but as I said, I love getting to know the person that makes up the athlete. So I feel like. I've got a trust with the players. For example, Chris Lynn, who's one of the yeah. best T20 cricketers in the world, I we bonded over being bald when I met him. And now, yeah. like, he's a good mate because we were just laughing about it. And I don't talk cricket with him. I just talk about his family, his child. He's recently had a kid and, like, life. So I think they like that I'm there to not go, oh, wow, you're a cool cricketer. Yeah, like, you're not Peter's- asking or oh, how. You hit that one pretty big. No, exactly. None of that. Peter Siddle's one of my best mates. And I'm not just saying it's a name drop, but because we don't talk cricket. We talk basketball. We talk shoes. We talk... He loves his basketball. Loves it. So... um, Do you talk bananas with him? I've never asked him about bananas, to be honest. That's probably why he likes it. Yeah, probably. But no, getting to know the person behind the athlete has been really good. Easy. Uh, I know there's definitely not an easy answer for this, but what is the most, let's just say, normal week look like for you? Yeah, so I will try to do exercise every day because I think it's good, as you boys know, it's good for mental health as it is good for physical health. So mental fitness for me is is massive. Um, then uh, following on from that, um, I will, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday going to SEN. So I'm in there at about five o'clock in the morning. And then a lot of the day is structured around meetings or events. Then I'll try to pick up my daughter from school or childcare, which um, whatever the day looks like. Then the weekend's just basically full of sports so yeah yeah, i try to fit in some fitness and then if we've got time when the family's away or in in bed i'll play playstation at night time just so i can like numb my brain and not focus on anything nba 2k yeah (laughs) um we spoke about a little bit earlier but how many sports jerseys slash tops do you reckon you really have if you had to put a number 500 shit yeah so i I went through i had like um I went through all my basketball yeah, jerseys. Yeah, because I was looking at Instagram I reckon, yeah, yesterday yeah. and that's what brought the question That's just up. basketball jerseys. So yeah. there'd be 200 basketball jerseys, but then you put the soccer ones in there yeah. and then you put, put the like AFL. Strikers yeah, yeah, easy. Like yeah, 500 that. easy. Yeah. Uh, what's the hot topic on tomorrow morning's radio show? Well, what I like about working on SEN, no matter the time of the year that it is, is that um, the, the, the 6 a.m. to a quarter past six segment is fun because we don't talk sport. So the beauty about SEN and the focus is they really like to lean on sports slash entertainment. So the entertaining side of things is Mark Bickley and I just talk shit. So we'll talk about what he did the night before or what I watched on TV and we just have a laugh. Like, as I said at the start, people get a choice of what they listen to. If you can listen to us and go, oh, they talk about sport, but geez, they get along with each other and have a laugh too. So when footy season's on, there's always stuff to talk about, but I'm not like, I'm not a hard-hitting journalist. I can't, I'm not going to sack someone on the radio or say, this person should be dropped. I can't even kick a footy. So I'll just, I'll just take the piss out of myself and have some fun. What are three tips to someone who wants to be an announcer or be in radio? First of all, find your own personal brand. So I would never, if someone came up to me and they said, I want to be Jared Walsh, I would say, okay, but what about wanting to be you? You can take the, some of the skills that I have, um, but you can't replicate me because I'm just literally being my authentic self. So everybody's different. The other thing is um, say yes to opportunities and don't look down on opportunities. And most importantly, um, it is about making sure you show gratitude and treating people around you who give those opportunities and say thanks. At the, every, at the end of every season, I will send the clubs that I work for a gift to say thanks for trusting me every year. I never take it for granted because I could pick anyone. So just I know that like um, – 
the have you guys read the Resilience Project? It's a, We've an, heard him speak. Yeah, yeah he's, he's mate. Hugh, Hugh's incredible, but he talks about um, gratitude, empathy, and mindfulness. That that gratitude part, and um, I don't know uh, Adam Trelaw, who plays for Collingwood. Yeah. Um, he has it written on his wrist when he walks out and plays all the time, um, and uh, uh, an excerpt from one of his books. So showing gratitude is probably one of the most important things. Awesome. Beautiful. Trav, anything more for us? I got nothing more. Jared. Thanks, boys. Thanks for not murdering me in this um, no, this real right. warehouse yeah, yeah, right. setup. Warehouse. Thanks for this delicious local. Um, hold on a sec. Oh, thanks for this delicious local. <laughs> Cheers. You can tell you he's done shot. it a few times. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel you're good with the ads? Uh, yeah. It's like I, with social media, I don't promote anything I'm not passionate about, mm. l- legitimately. Because then when people ask me, like I love I love red wine, right? And I'm an ambassador for a wine company. It's my favorite wine. So it like works perfectly. I'm never going to talk about something I don't care about. That's why I can't go and MC something I'm not passionate about. Fair um, enough. And if I'm not passionate about it, I find ways to connect with it to go, how can I get passionate about this? Because otherwise I think it's, it's disrespectful to the brand or the people trusting 100%. you to do it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. For everyone, Jared Walsh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I think we've finally, to be honest, there probably has been others, but we've found someone who's absolutely mastered us on the mics today. Um, sorry it's taken so long to come here as no, well. No, no, you're absolutely fine. Made it even um, sweeter. You had some, yeah, exactly. It would have been, it's way better to have you since you're back from the World Cup to talk about all the great stuff you did there and all the stuff you do everyday life. So thanks so much. Um, go check him out. And if you're seeing sport pretty much anywhere in Adelaide and probably even elsewhere or listening to SEN, you're going to absolutely hear him all the time. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you.